Welcome to To Grow Good, a place to spread joy, beauty, and goodness, to bear good fruit, a place where others can meet or be inspired to meet God. So get cozy, lean in, and listen close. Miracles are at work, and he wants to meet you too. Hello and happy Tuesday. I hope you are all having a great week. Um, I'm so excited to share with you today a conversation with one of my personal inspirations. Um, Really the person that uh, started my whole journey. Um, And little did she know that by giving her yes um, in starting her own podcast that she would one day... um, meet my ears uh, while I was living in Boston, commuting and just searching and seeking for something greater than what I had. Um, Little did she know that I would find her podcast and it would be just a source of healing and truth um, and really would start my entire journey. Um, So I'm so excited to be able to share with you Claire's Swinarski's story. Um, Claire is the creator and founder of The Catholic Feminist, um, which is a podcast um, for women who want to be informed, inspired, and intentional. Um, And it has honestly changed my life. It changed the way I viewed um, pretty much everything (laughs) at the time. You know, I was in a, in a, very far place, um, away from the truth. Uh, and I was able to really come to know it through the interviews that Claire would give every week on her podcast. And it just is totally how, um, the Lord worked in my heart. So I'm so excited, uh, to share her story with all of you and just to, to share the Catholic feminist with you all as well. Um, so without any further ado, here is Claire. I hope you enjoy. Claire, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am really, really excited to be here. Me too. I am so excited that you are here. Um, can you just start by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and what you're doing now? For sure. So I am Claire Swinarski. I am a wife. I am a mom of two. I live in the very cold state of Wisconsin and I am an author. I write books for kids and I write books for Christian women. But my main gig is that I host the Catholic Feminist Podcast where every week we talk about women and their role in the church. And it's been a really fun experiment. I started it on a total whim with no credentials in 2017, but we are like chugging along 140 episodes later. So that's, that's who I am and what my life looks like right now. Amazing. And just to get it out of the way, uh, Claire was a huge, and her show were a huge reason for my own story, um, back to the faith. Um, I grew up Catholic, but I went through a period. Yeah. Where I was just really confused and lost about women in the church and what the church thought about women and what women's roles were. And um, when I found Claire's show, it really was a huge turning point for me. And um, 
Yes, that's why I'm so excited that she's here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess let's start in the beginning. I cannot wait to hear just your story and how you got to where you are now. Um, can you just start out like what has your journey been like in the faith? Um, like when you were a child, do you remember memories um, growing up of kind of what your relationship like was like with God? Yeah. So I am 28, just to give everyone kind of a frame of reference. But when I was growing up, we were Catholic. So I received all my sacraments. I was baptized. I had to go to um, CCD. I'm not sure what they call it anymore, but I had to go to some religious ed thing because I was one of those public school heathens. And we were Catholic, but I don't feel that I was properly catechized. And I'm not sure if that had to do with my own stubbornness or with the catechesis program I was in. But although I knew kind of what the church was, I really had no idea what it taught. I knew about Jesus, but I certainly didn't know him as a person. We went to mass most of the time, but if we missed, it was fine. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, we have to go every single week. It was very casual to me. Like my faith was kind of a part of my culture is what I would say. Like our family culture was that we were Catholic, but you know, we weren't praying around the table. We weren't talking about the saints. I mean, I had like a children's Bible, but that's honestly about it. And so that was kind of how I grew up. Then when I went to high school, I have always been one of those really annoying people who doesn't like to fit in with the crowd. I say annoying. Sometimes it's a blessing, but honestly, growing up, I was probably really annoying. Like I specifically remember pretending not to like good Charlotte in seventh grade because all (laughs) little girls did. And I was like, no, I don't go with the crowd. I'm pretty (laughs) sure I went to a good Charlotte concert. So I was like, like warp tour was the thing to do when I was in middle school and my mom didn't let me go to concerts. So I was like, well, I don't like warp tour. I don't like good Charlotte. (laughs) Like that was my attitude. If you can just think of an annoying little kid with that attitude. So when I was in high school, the thought of belonging to a huge institution that in my mind told you what to do was so far from what I wanted to be. And I think that high schoolers, a really great thing about them is that they're always thinking and they're coming into their own. But a really bad thing about them is that they always think that they are right when they are young and often very foolish. And that's how I was. And I remember like my social issues teacher in high school, in public school, like calling me a cafeteria Catholic because I said I didn't agree with something in the Catholic church. And looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't tell my mom that. And my mom didn't like call her and flip out because that's insanely disrespectful to say to a student in your class. (laughs) But at the time I was like proud. I was like, yup, I pick and choose my faith, (laughs) like bring it on. Then I went to college and I completely was not embracing the Catholic faith at all. I mean, I definitely didn't go to mass almost my entire freshman year. Another funny story is that I didn't go to mass one particular Sunday freshman year because Kourtney Kardashian was having her baby on the Kardashians or it was Ash Wednesday. because I was like, well, I better go to Ash Wednesday mass. And then I was like, "Mm, I don't know. The Kardashian special is on. I think I'm going to have to skip it. So (laughs) that is how truly far away from the faith I was. I was a relatable now. It was, it was a yikes. I mean, I still know too much about the family Kardashian that I could share, (laughs) you know, a little bit of a, little bit of a guilty pleasure. But then sophomore year of college, I had a really, really rough time. I had a roommate that I was having a lot of problems with. 
I got my heart stomped on by a boy. My grandmother died. I got denied from my college program, which doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but I had always wanted to be a journalist. And then to get denied from journalism school, which was like the reason I went to UW, was just heartbreaking. And so I was just in a really, really dark, deep, hard place. And one morning on a Sunday, I was going on a walk, which is something that I've always done and always love to do is just go on long walks. And I was walking by the church. And honestly, it's like something out of a Hallmark movie. I was walking by and I was like, I'm going to go to mass just because I wanted to hear the same readings that my parents were hearing. I wanted to feel connected to my family. So I went in and went to mass. And then that day they announced a winter retreat that the Catholic center was doing. And I was like, I don't know a single person going on this. I don't really know anything about the faith. It costs 40 bucks, which I don't have. But something in me compelled me to go to the point where I was like, I'm going. And I marched in and signed up. And it had to be the Holy Spirit. There's no logical reason I would do that. That is very, very unlike me. But I felt like I needed a new community people at church seemed so on fire. And these were like college students. Like I didn't wander into a mass where all I saw were elderly people. You know, I saw people who looked like me. I saw girls in like workout leggings and UW sweatshirts. And I mean, you can have a whole conversation about appropriate mass attire, but listen, if I had walked in and everyone had been in a knee length pleated skirt, I don't know if I would have gone and signed up for winter retreat. So I did that and I went on that retreat and it's not like I had this crazy come to Jesus moment. But I met a group of girls who are still some of my best friends. I was texting them this morning and they ended up inviting me to join a Bible study. And through all of that, things just really started to click and I started to learn more about Jesus and who he was as a person. And then my senior year of college, I went to the SEEK conference with Focus. Are you familiar with Focus at all? Yeah, we actually had... um... Caitlin, I had another interview with her. She works for Focus. And oh, I met her literally by chance at my local parish in Newburyport. But she lives in London and she was visiting. That's and crazy. It, it was like this whole thing. But it was, yeah, your story is actually really similar. But uh, but keep That's going. So funny. you... Yeah. yeah. Well, when I was in Focus, I had like 500 people and no international campuses. So it was a little bit of a different time, but um, we had the seat conference in Orlando. I went and during adoration there, I just really felt the presence of the Lord. Like I have never felt before. It was extremely powerful. And I felt like I knew him. I felt like I knew who Jesus was. I had a relationship with him and I wanted other people to know him too. And so I became a Focus missionary, which we can get into, but that's kind of a whole yeah. thing. Spent Whoa, two years in yeah. focus, came back, started a podcast. <laughs> That's where Crazy. I am. <laughs> okay, so literally, like, you went from Kourtney Kardashian's premiere <laughs> to freaking going to focus conferences. Like, what? So Yes. Okay, let me be clear. I do still enjoy the Kardashians. <laughs> I am the same person. I think where the difference laid for me was meeting people who showed me that the faith was not something that ruins your life. Because I think that I didn't really know anyone growing up who was super on fire for their faith. I mean, I knew priests. That's who I knew. And I don't want to like blame my family or my home parish at all or anything like that. I'm not sure why, but that's just how I felt growing up. I did not know people who were on fire. And so to go to church and to meet these girls who were so on fire for their faith, but also wanted to talk about like, 
shopping at Urban Outfitters or whatever, these the Kardashians, these very normal yeah, things. Yeah, normal things. Yeah. yeah, it was like the Lord brings joy to your life. He brings real relationship. Like these girls, I barely knew them and they cared so much more about me than people that I had spent all of freshman year of college with. They mm-hmm. cared more about me than most of my high school friends did. I mean, they cared about me so intimately, barely knowing me. And it just left a really powerful impression. And especially senior year, I was really, really good friends with one focus missionary on our campus. And she in particular challenged me in really strong ways that got me to where I am today. And so that's also what I think is the power of a focus or really just any very holy friendship um, that iron sharpens iron. And when you're surrounding yourself with the right people, you're going to get where you need to go. And so it really was for me about the people that got me from Kardashians to focus. Yeah, that is so cool. So those girls that you met, were they focused missionaries? No, they were just students um, and they didn't know anyone either on their retreat. And so that was what was really cool is that like, we didn't know anybody. So we just kind of hung out together all weekend, like the people who don't know anyone. And then that very first night of their retreat, a friend who, again, I'm still friends with today, gave her testimony and she was just the most normal person. She was so normal and it completely blew my mind of what Catholicism could be because she was a woman's studies major. Like she was passionate about social justice and passionate about caring for other people. And she shared her testimony and a lot of it was aligned with mine in certain ways. I mean, she was even tall. I'm super tall. And so I was like, oh my God, this girl is me. And it was just really, really a powerful retreat experience. And I think it's easy sometimes to look at college retreats and be like, oh, they're just like playing get to know you games or whatever. I think such ministry happens on college retreats. I mean, lives change on college retreats. They're something we need to continue to build up in my opinion. Yeah, that is so, yeah, that's amazing because yeah, Caitlin's story is kind of sort of similar, but she went to college and was feeling lost and went to church on a whim and was kind of lingering because she kind of like wanted to meet someone. And she, a focused missionary came up and like introduced herself, but she didn't know she was like a focused missionary. And mm-hmm. it just like invited her somewhere like out, you know, to hang out like normal. Yeah. And it worked. And then like she slowly, slowly, you know, through hanging out with these people, you know, came to realize, right, these are just normal people that actually right. like, are actually happier and more joyful and have a purpose compared to, you know, people that maybe just don't have the faith. So I feel like there's so much, especially in college when you're like feeling lost and it's the first time you're on your own and there's a lot of questions, you know, so I feel like it is amazing what Focus is doing. They're really feeling like this need for a lot of um, people and souls at that point. But, um, so then, so you went to the winter retreat and then how long before you went to this focus retreat where you had adoration, like, were you still kind of, when you left that winter retreat, were you kind of like, this is great. Like these people are cool, but like, I don't know about, you know, all these things about the faith, you know, were you still kind of in that boat kind of like torn between a couple of things? Yeah, I was. It was so it was about two years. So the winter retreat was halfway through sophomore year. The focus retreat was halfway through senior year. And I was excited about the idea of Jesus and I was excited about these girls. But the idea of the Catholic Church was still something I was pretty allergic to. Are you familiar at all with women like Rachel Held Evans or Jen Hatmaker? 
Do you no. know at all who I'm talking about? So these are Protestant women writers who are, re- Rachel actually died this year, um, but Rachel and Jen, Sarah Bassi, these were Protestant women writers who wrote really passionately about faith. They have good books out. Um, and I was really kind of in their track of theology, which is that Jesus is great. Jesus tells you to love everyone. So everyone should just do what they got to do. A very like hashtag you do you theology. Mm-hmm. And so that was very much where I was. And again, like, I just don't like feeling part of groups or feeling like I'm following along. I remember thinking like, I ain't no sheep. Like I ain't going to <laughs> sheep. I ain't just following. That's whatever ironic. <laughs> I know it's rude. It's insane. Um, but that was truly like my headspace. And it was about things like women being priests. I, I've been pro-life my whole life. That one's a pretty easy one for me to swallow. But contraception... I thought people who didn't believe in contraception were basically flat earthers, like that level of crazy. I love when you um, say that. I heard you say so that. It's so real. It's <laughs> so real. That, it was totally what I thought too. I mean, it's so, yes, there's so many people that that's just like, if you don't, if you haven't been exposed to it, like that's just what you are taught or just what the world t- says about it. So you're like, right. oh, yeah, that's crazy. Why would they do that? You know, why well, learn yeah. about your body, right? Like, exactly. Um, I mean, that's a whole other tangent I could go off on. But yeah, like senior year, when I became friends with this missionary, we became friends right away, like during welcome week. I met her as she was moving in. And she was very passionate about the church, which was interesting because I was passionate about Jesus. I was passionate about caring for the poor. I was even passionate about adoration. I was like, okay, I can buy that the Eucharist is the body of Jesus. I'm tracking there. But like the Pope, that was still something I was very iffy on. Mm. And she had a couple really hard conversations with me that were probably looking back terrifying for her to have. And I'm so grateful that she had them. Like one in particular, I think about a lot and reference a lot is she said to me, like, do you believe that the gospels are true? Like when you're reading the gospels, do you believe that they're a journalistic account? And I was like, I do. I'm, I'm tracking with the gospels. I just think since then stuff has gotten messed up. And she was like, okay, so when Jesus gives Peter the king, the keys to the kingdom and says that this is my church and that Peter is going to hold it so that the gates of hell do not prevail. Like, do you believe that that's true, that that happened? And I said, yes. And she said, then you believe in the Catholic church. Like, I hate to break it to you, but that's the founding of the church. And so if you think that happened, then you have to believe in the Catholic church because that's what that means. And you have to believe in papal succession and you have to believe in speaking from the chair of Peter and making rulings that you might not understand, but that doesn't mean that they're not true. And to this day, there's things I don't understand that I would never speak on. Um, Like I never speak on the church's teaching about same-sex attraction. I always point that to organizations like the Eden Invitation or people who are much more well-versed because I am not a theology expert. Someone actually just sent me a mean meme the other day that was so funny. It was like a big shark and it said like Catholic theology. And then it showed SpongeBob surfing out of the shark's mouth and it was like Catholic feminist trying to be like, you don't care about theology. It's not that I don't care. It's that... I just trust the church an immense amount at this point that I know that they have my back. And I don't feel like I need to be able to write a research paper about every topic. And some people do, and some people are comforted by information and study. My husband is one of those, and that's Mm. great, but that's just not really my vibe. Today's episode is brought to you by Catholic Match. 
Are you feeling called to marriage but struggling to meet others who are striving for sainthood? Well, my friends, there is a solution for you. Welcome to Catholic Match, the largest faith-focused dating app designed for single Catholics. Unlike other dating sites, Catholic Match primarily strives to help singles connect for the purpose of sacramental marriage through direct message, video chat, and more. And not only that, it also provides a place to make new friends in the faith because, let's be honest, these days it's harder than ever to cultivate intimate Catholic community. Create your Catholic love story. Visit catholicmatch.com slash good to create your free Catholic Match account and start meeting fellow-minded Catholics today. Do you believe in the power of conversion stories? Has this show moved you in some way? Join the Branches of the Vine community of supporters. You will be making this show happen and you'll be helping it grow and expand into new avenues to reach even more souls. Visit togrowgood.com slash support to join for as little as $3 a month. This link is also a live link in today's episode description. If you just scroll down, you'll be able to click right there to join us. As a gift back to you, you will gain access to an underground bonus podcast. That's right, a collection of monthly episodes on a series of different topics that stir my heart, in addition to behind-the-scenes updates on where he's leading this ministry and more. You are the light of the world. Thank you so much for supporting me in this mission and stepping out on the water to wherever he calls me next. Let's see where this goes. Uh, I feel like everybody has, right, their own gifts, uh, which is literally what the Bible says. You know, like we, we each have our own gifts and um, we should play to those strengths, you know, that we find joy in and that we like to, you know, hang out in. So um, that's awesome though. So then, so you were basically like wrestling for kind of two years on this journey, but you were also hanging out with Catholics and going to mass, I'm assuming at that point or yes. Yeah. yeah at that point. I mean, um, still not every Sunday. I still yeah. have a little notebook that was like my goals for senior year. I was big into goals, like color coded planners. And one of them was like, go to mass every Sunday. Aww. It's so funny that like less than a year later, I was a focus missionary where I had to go to mass every day. And I'm at training. I'm like, if y'all only knew six months ago, I was still like, oh, I got to make sure I get there Sunday. Yeah. So how did that happen? Like, so you were at this conference, which I'm sure was super powerful. I mean, I have watched a ton of uh, those videos now because now that I'm like going, learning all this stuff and going through this now, I like can't get enough. I'm in that stage where I'm just like, I can't get enough. So I'm like watching all these videos and uh, reading all these books and everything. But um, I recently, yeah, through Caitlin found um, their YouTube channel and there's so many great, like powerful, amazing videos. you know, talks and just so much truth and knowledge. But, um, so yeah, so I'm sure that was like a super powerful experience and to be around like all those young Catholics that were just like on fire. It must've been really, you know, influential. Um, but yeah, so what led you, I guess, from that conference to then deciding to like become a missionary? (laughs) That's a great question. The Lord. I mean, I think in some ways my personality was really suited to being a missionary. I love one-on-one conversations, which is a big thing in focus. Like I, even now, like I am not a huge speaker. I get invited to speak a lot and I'm usually turning it down because I like my podcast format. I want to talk like we're talking. I want to have some coffee and just one-on-one chat. Um, That's very much focus. 
And I also wanted to learn more about the faith. And I knew that focus would be a great way to do that. But mostly I just felt called. I mean, when you feel it, you feel it. And I know that some people have never felt that feeling. And I am sorry because feeling God really clearly tell you to do something is actually an extremely powerful experience that I'm glad that I've had. And so I just really, really felt the Lord saying to go on interview weekend and he would take it from there. Mm. So I went on interview weekend to this day. I cannot believe I got hired. I'm not sure if it was a mistake and I am not saying this to be false humble. I hate fake humility. I truly (laughs) am like, Oh my gosh. But I will say these days, I think the standards for getting hired are a lot higher because focus is a lot bigger. So they have a lot more applicants. Um, it was big when I joined it, but not like the massive thing it is now. And so I think that they wanted people who were really approachable, which I like to think that I'm an approachable person. And yeah, so that's kind of how I got hired there. And so I went to Tulane in New Orleans, which was like mission. I mean, we didn't have a building. They had a part-time priest who also had a whole parish. Like we had nothing. We had no structure. We were like walking up to people and talking to them about Jesus. It was intense. And then I went to Mizzou where they were like, here's your parking spot at our very nice Catholic center. And wow. she like completely different. Mizzou's a well-oiled machine. They could have probably sent four monkeys there as focused missionaries and it would have been <laughs> fine. Like they were completely different experiences. Um, and so those two years in focus were really what took me from like, I'm on fire for the faith to like, I am so committed that even on the days when I feel absolutely no fire, which are plenty of days, I know the truth of Jesus so deep that nothing on this earth can take that away from me. And that's um, something I'm really grateful to feel. That's amazing. And was it just like being able to be on the ground basically and see the Holy Spirit like work in front of you? Like, is that what made you just like, okay, this is just like, there's just no denying like anything about this at this point or? Yes and no. I, in some ways, yeah, I did get to see really powerful things happen, really powerful transformations in people. But I think the most powerful transformation was in me. And just, you know, when you're in focus, you're doing a holy hour every day. That was incredibly life-changing for me. I have never prayed that much in my life. I don't pray that much in my life now, but I did for two years and it was incredible. And I think just seeing such a wide variety of experiences and being so deeply involved in people's lives. I mean, as a, as a missionary, you really become like Christ to some people, which is in some ways not good, but in some ways is helpful. Like you're walking on this journey together and people are letting you in their lives in a really deep, intimate way. And so you see a really wide variety of faith stories. I think that that was really helpful for me and just really being confronted with the truth of my own smallness and my own inability to, to administer the way I'd like. I mean, I don't think anyone is the perfect missionary, but I really went in thinking like, I'm going to hit this out of the park. <laughs> Here I come. I'm an A-plus student, Let's do, which is a lie. I'm not. I was never an A-plus student, but I was like, I'm on fire for the Lord and that's all you need. And I quickly learned um, just how to be with people and walk with them and enter into their lives without an agenda. And I'm not sure I had ever done that to that level until I was in focus. And so I think just being really open to those experiences um, really just committed the Lord to me. And it's also just time. I mean, I've now been a committed practicing Catholic who's on fire 
for, I don't know, what year is that? 2020? It's like seven or eight years. I mean, sometimes these things take time, you know? If you're just starting to get into the faith and you don't feel that commitment, it's like, well, I'm eight years in here. Like, you have to experience some things to have your faith tested before you can really feel that level of commitment. It's kind of like, we recently had an episode on my podcast where we were talking about boundaries and how, like, if boundaries weren't tested, you wouldn't need boundaries. Like if your dog wasn't trying to run away, you wouldn't need a gate. And so I think with your faith, it's like, it has to be tested in order to be deeply rooted. And so I think time plays a factor in these things too. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And it's just, just hearing your story. It's so, I just love hearing people's stories and seeing how the Lord like works in people's lives because he gave you just what you needed, like in the time that you were at obviously when you're in it, you don't even realize it. And then looking back, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like you had that girl that really spoke some hard truths to you when you were questioning those things. And then when you were going through focus, you went through two different experiences that were completely different, but I'm sure, yeah, just like made you grow in your faith in these ways that like, you didn't even know that you needed or wanted. And then you came out the other side, like so ready to take on, you know, like the world and just not have to doubt anything or just, yeah. So that's so beautiful. Like just like what he did with you and thinking back to like, yeah, early college and then where you were at after college, it's like crazy. (laughs) It is. And I mean, it's certainly not a cakewalk every day, right? I mean, we all have our days where we're like, what the hell, God, what what are you doing here? This COVID mess is making me think that a lot of days I've had a really hard let just for lots of reasons. I have carpal tunnel, which sounds stupid, but my wrist really hurts me a lot of the day. And so I'm in physical pain and I can't go anywhere. My kids are crazy. And it's, yeah. it is really, really hard. But I think the good part about being rooted is you're not saying like, God, are you there? It's more like, God, I'm kind of pissed at you right now. Like those are not the same sentiment. You know what I mean? So. Right. Totally. Ah, oh, that makes so much sense. So I guess, yeah, that was kind of leading into my next question is just how has this relationship with God, like sense played a role in your life? Like after you got out of focus um, missionary where you were kind of so entrenched in it every day, like a daily holy hour and mass and all these beautiful gifts that you have at your disposal and then kind of going out on your own and and your own life. um, What have been some of the biggest challenges and what have been some of your greatest joys? I think that my relationship with God and my time in focus really made me braver. It made me a brave person. And I think it takes a lot of courage to live out your faith and to follow what you think God wants you to do, because sometimes it does not make a lot of sense. I mean, some people are just called to be a dentist and they live a really happy life as a dentist. I've called been called to do some crazy things like quit my job when I was pregnant and start a podcast and try to write a book. Like that doesn't make a ton of sense. When I did that, my parents were like, huh? Um, <laughs> but I think that my relationship with God has made me able to say yes to these things that seem crazy and don't make a lot of sense on paper. And so I started the Catholic Feminist in early 2017 and that's been a joy and it's been a struggle it's been a real struggle to open myself up on the internet to people. Sometimes, some days I really don't care, 
But some days, yeah, a lot of angry comments do start to wear on me or just doubt in the sense of like, is this still helping people? Like, is this still relevant or have we been doing this enough? Like, have I made enough? Should I just take a step back? Like, I mean, I wrestle with those thoughts almost every day. And so that's really a struggle, but it's definitely a joy to be able to meet so many incredible women and share their stories. And I mean, motherhood is the same. It's a true joy and a true true struggle. I wouldn't say I'm like a natural um, nurturer. (laughs) It's not really a personality trait that I would say is like natural to me, but I do love being a mom and I have two really little kids who need me for everything. I mean, they're three in one and I love being the person that they want when they get hurt. And I love teaching them about the outdoors and I love talking to them about Jesus. And so that's been a really big joy for me. And that was something that was kind of hard for me to say yes to you. I wasn't always, I want kids. Um, but our family life is certainly probably my biggest joy right now. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. And you touched on your the podcast a little bit, but what I guess led you to start that project specifically? Um, what was it that you saw that inspired um, you to do that? Because I, it's, it is. I mean, it's feeling such a need. And even you don't get to see the amount of people that it's helping. And like, I'm, I'm sure you get like some idea from hearing some stories, but it's like, yeah, like you didn't even know my story at all because I haven't talked to you at all. And like, it completely helped my conversion. Like it, it, it's changed my life. So. Oh, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so grateful to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I started it. I always say we, like I have this freaking staff. I don't. Me, <laughs> I started it in 2017 because there was a presidential election in 2016. Not sure if you remember that, um, the orange man and the Clinton lady. Um, so that was kind of dramatic. And I was starting to feel really fed up with Catholics. I felt like people were either in a box where they were really aggressive about their faith and they, for instance, with abortion, they were pro-life, but no one was talking about how we love the woman. No one was talking about life after birth. No one was talking about these things. And it's like, if you even brought that up, it was like, oh, so you're pro-abortion, just this really angry, antagonistic aggressiveness. Mm -hmm. Or you were in the box where you were just like total... Beatles out, like love is all we need and like not having any practical application of that love and just sharing, you know, memes and think pieces, but not actually doing anything that we needed to do. And I just remember one day I took a box of old baby clothes that we could have used. I mean, we were going to have more kids. I knew that, but we took them to Catholic Relief to help um, a new Syrian refugee resettlement program here in Wisconsin. And I felt felt so close to God in that moment. And I was like, why aren't we doing this instead of arguing on Twitter? Why are you arguing on Twitter? I just couldn't with the Twitter arguments. And to this day, people are always tagging me in stuff that people are saying about feminists. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I just, I am not here to argue with you on Twitter, which I, th- I could do and get a bunch more followers and get a bunch more likes, and probably a bunch more money, you know, but I just think it's a total waste of spiritual time. So anyway, I, I, sorry, I can go on tangents a lot, even though I'm a podcaster. <laughs> so I kind of saw Catholics in those two boxes and 
I wanted to find the true virtue in the middle. I wanted to talk to real women and hear their stories and put real faces back on issues because you can talk about abortion all day long, but until you've talked to someone who's had one, until you've talked to someone who had an unexpected pregnancy and then um, placed a baby in an adoptive situation, you are not going to think about that issue in a Christ-like manner. And so I wanted to make that available to people. And I wanted to Skype one-on-one with Helen Alvarez and Audrey Assad and all these really cool Catholic women. So it was part selfish, but that's kind of why I launched it. I think the Catholic world has always been a heavy step behind the rest of the world in terms of like technology and media. So when I started it, there were not podcast. I mean, the only podcast for Catholic women that there were at that time was like Leah Darrow's show and then Fountains of Carrots with Haley Stewart, which are great shows, but they weren't um, what I was trying to do. And so that was why I launched it. And I remember Chris saying like, what if this doesn't go anywhere? Like, what if no one listens to this? And I was like, then I'll make 10 episodes and it will be a fun art project that I did. But a a lot of people listened and a lot of people resonated with it. And so, yeah, that's how it got started. That's amazing. And the Holy Spirit is working through it for sure. And yeah, it's such an amazing, like, I love podcasts too, for that reason that it's like, people can just find them on their own time. Like I did. Um, and when they're ready, you know, it's not like you're, you have to write at people on Twitter and be like, check out this podcast episode that answers this question. You know, it's like the answer's there if, if you want to go find it, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to stuff it down your throat if you don't want to hear it either. So it's kind of like, that's why I love about, um, when I found the podcast too, it's like, it's like evangelization in a really, um, non super aggressive in your face way, because it's like just a normal conversation between two people talking about things that they don't even realize is like to someone who like has never heard people talk like that. You know what I mean? It was like, what? They're just talking about like, right. They're just talking about natural family planning. Like it's normal. I was like, who are these people? (laughs) Well, and you know, what's funny about that is every single episode we have about NFP is a top episode. If I went and looked at our five top episodes right now, they're about like the Creighton method. They're about Humanae Vitae. They're about uh, pelvic health, like women's health. If someone wanted to go start a new Catholic podcast and you're like, what's my niche? I am telling you Catholic women's health is it because those episodes are far and away our most popular ones. Yeah, it's because the world li- it lies to women so much in those areas. Like when I first heard, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you. It was just like, wow, I've just been living like so far from the truth without even realizing it, like in the dark. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's helping a ton. So thank you for doing that. Um, so I guess what have been some standout influences for you on your own journey? Um, and it could be a podcast, a book, a speaker, a retreat. I mean, you mentioned the winter retreat that you went on and, and, and focus obviously, um, or even a specific sacrament that just has really helped you, uh, in your journey. Mm, I have a couple that come to mind. One is Helen Alvarez. If people are familiar with her, she is a lawyer and a mom of many, many children. And I got to interview her on the show and it was a total dream come true because I saw her speak at that focus conference. And it was really important to me to see a powerful, strong career woman up there because that was always how I envisioned myself. And she has an amazing book. I cannot believe that the title is slipping my mind right now. But if you Google Helen Alvarez, it comes right up. Um, and it's all about women and the church. And she has guest writers in like Sister Virginia Joy and all these other really cool women 
um, oh, it's called Catholic Women Speak for Themselves, I think. Yes, Women Speak for Themselves. And it's just this amazing, amazing book. And I read it in college, senior year. And that was another thing that really blew my mind. Um, and then some other things that I have really loved are, uh, when you said sacraments, I thought immediately of the sacrament of confession. Mm-hmm. Here's an example of how I was not catechized. I truly believed growing up that confession was a thing we didn't do anymore. I, I, I did not know people did it. I, we went once for reconciliation in fourth grade. That was it. We never talked about it again. I never saw anyone going again. My church never had announcements about it. I had no clue. And so in college, there was a priest, Father Eric Nielsen at University of Wisconsin. He's still there for all my badgers listening right now being like, yeah, that man is like, he is responsible for so many saints. And he one time said that you should go to confession every two weeks, even if you don't feel a mortal sin burning in your heart, because venial sins can be like little flies on your windshield. And there's so many that you can't see through. And I love that analogy. And so I don't go every two weeks because it's just not super practical for me at this season, but I do go every month. Mm -hmm. And even if I haven't committed what in my heart feels like a mortal sin, I always feel so much better. I feel so refreshed. I feel so connected with the Lord. Um, So that is really great for me. And then I feel like really cliche saying this, but the Bible, (laughs) Um, like reading scripture is so important for me to stay rooted. I know when I start to feel frazzled and all over the place, it means that I haven't paused and read enough scripture. And so I get the daily emails from Blessed Is She. If people are familiar with those, I really like those daily reflections. And I also just like to to pick a book of the Bible and read through it really slowly. So right now during Lent, I'm doing Isaiah and it's been really powerful. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I'm definitely going to check that that book out too. That sounds amazing. So It is. You will adore it. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, and speaking of scripture, um, I'm hoping to ask everyone, um, one, one piece of scripture that has helped them on their journey or played a foundational role, um, in their journey to the faith, uh, or it could be something that's speaking to you right now from Isaiah. Uh, do you have one that you would want to share? I do. It's, um, not from Isaiah. It's from, you know what? Sorry, you're going to have to edit this. I do not remember it right now. (laughs) Remember when I was like, I keep things light and I don't have notes. Maybe I should rethink that strategy. <laughs> um, sorry, let me just pull it up here. I'm literally going to say this. We just had to pause so that I could Google it because if you really thought I was lying about not being into theology. You are wrong. Okay, here's my verse. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And he writes, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. That is something that has always resonated with me. And I'm especially trying to keep it true during this season of the podcast, just the importance of incorporating love into everything we do because we all have those people who are really hard for us to love. And maybe it's people who disagree with you politically, or maybe it's people who don't care about an issue you're really passionate about. But I see a real lack of charity, especially online when we're talking about things that matter to us. 
And I did see a tweet the other day that said, don't forget if you're ever up for canonization, someone from the Vatican is going to read all your tweets. And I was like, that's terrifying. (laughs) Um, So I think that that's been really important to me just to keep love at the forefront of every conversation and that you can be the most theological person. You can be the most Catholic famous person with all these speaking gigs and all these book deals. But if you're not doing it out of a true sense of love of the Lord, if you're doing it for, for money, for popularity, to get the best sick burn, it is not going to succeed. And so having love at the forefront needs to be the most important thing. So that's the Bible verse that I finally found that's been wrecking my world. I love that. That's so good. And speaking of being online and everything, where can someone go if they want to hear more from you, find you and your books? Because you're an author too, which is amazing. Yes. Um, And the Catholic Feminist online. Yeah. So you can go to the Catholic Feminist Podcast.com. There you can hear about our books. You can hear about the podcast. You can hear about the trip to France we're taking this fall. Hopefully if COVID goes away that I'm really excited about. And I also write kids books. So if you want to learn more about those, you can go to ClaireSwinarski.com. But all my social links and all that stuff are all on the websites. Awesome. Thank you so much, Claire, for coming on and just sharing so vulnerably about your story and everything you went through to get where you are today, it's going to help so much. I mean, I know it helped me. So thank you. Thank you so much. This was a blast. This was super fun. Thank you so much for growing some good with us today. Visit us at togrowgood.com slash podcast to find links to everything we mentioned in our conversation. Find us on Instagram at to grow good. See you next week.